Hello and welcome to another Seismic Cinema podcast. I'm joined here by Paul. Hi there, guys. How are you doing? Only joking. It's not, <laughs> it's not Paul. Um, Paul, unfortunately, um, he had a bit of an issue with the flu powder, did he? Uh, yeah, that's right. He didn't pronounce it correctly. He said diagonally, and now he's <laughs> nowhere to be found. <laughs> So hopefully we get Paul back for next week's podcast. I've instead got a very special guest. We've got the one and only Andrew Strachan from the Strachan podcast. How are we? I almost called you Andrew. What's happening, Trips? How are you doing? <laughs> I know, my Andrew's. I don't even think I've revealed that on the podcast yet. That's, that's an exclusive. Probably exclusive to some people that know me as well, I'm sure. Some people out there still call me Strachan and don't know my uh. first name. I'm used to your name. I'm used to your name being Andrew Strachan, but I just actually forgot that was your name until I said it there. There you go. <laughs> oh, it always happens, man. Don't worry. Okay, so this is the first of what's going to become a weekly series. We've already done a ranking of the Book of Boba Fett chapters, but each week, myself and Paul are going to alternate in choosing a topic to rank. And this week, we decided to go really niche and rank the live-action Harry Potter movies. I don't think that's very excited. I don't think that's something that's been done before. <laughs> so before we get into ranking them, we just we we had a bit of a discussion, Strachan, didn't we? Just about whether it was our favourite films or whether it was like the best films. But it's a bit of a mm-hmm. a mixture of the two. I, I've definitely put some personal feelings into my uh, top films. I definitely do acknowledge when certain things in terms of storytelling are good and bad, and a lot of my personal bias comes down to that anyway. But there are certain placements that I've kind of slightly put higher than maybe if you were just looking at a certain critical eye, just based on personal preference. Yeah. So it's a bit of a mix. I think it's important that we maybe just mention are Harry Potter stories, because obviously you get the film buffs, you get the, the movie and film people, you get the people that hate mm. the movies just like the books. What, what Where do you kind of land on that scale? So I actually have read all the books. One of the few book series I've actually read, um, like, for example, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, but um, I've not read the, the books as a whole because they're just so long, but I was lucky enough to grow up with Harry Potter. I was actually into Harry Potter before the movies came out. My mum bought me the Philosopher's Stone and used to read it to me at night. And then uh, I sort of, I, I know how cute. Um, so <laughs> grown, grown up with the grown up with the Harry Potter books, and then the films came out. I remember queuing up to get Deathly Hallows and everything. So mm. um, I've, oh, my my fandom has veered towards other franchises in the future, but definitely was and still am a huge Harry Potter fan. Yeah, my, my story is actually quite an interesting one. We 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 got read it in primary five, I think it was, and mm-hmm. it was some people were really massive Potterheads even at that stage. And I remember mm-hmm. being a wee bit. I don't. I wasn't a cool kid, so I don't know why I was like this. But I was a wee bit like, oh yeah, yeah, I, that's not cool to like Harry Potter. And then <laughs> I think it was primary six. We went on a school trip to the local cinema. And we saw Philosopher's mm-hmm. Stone, and from seeing the film, I was absolutely hooked. My sister had yeah. the four, the first four books. I binged them, and then I saw every film after it came out. After that, mm-hmm. I would say I'm more of a fan than the books and the films, 
but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. I don't enjoy a lot of aspects of the films. Yeah, it is, it is quite nice how the films aren't canon. So if they do make changes and things like that, or like there's certain things that you don't like, it's not as like a, a bigger deal. Like I know that some people get really wound up about changes in the MCU, for example, that are different to the comics. Yeah. And because it's canon for the MCU, it's like really annoying. But the good thing is with Harry Potter, because it's not canon, if there is a little change, you can just be like, well, it's not canon. The real story is the book. So mm-hmm. um, it's not a, a big deal change. And I think sometimes as well, there are positive changes in the movies as yeah. well compared to the books. Definitely. But there definitely are things. That, and we'll get that into some of my rankings. There's definitely some movies where things are maybe left out or changed that mm. really influenced how I feel about the movies. But what's interesting when you've seen the when you've read the books, I automatically fill in the gaps because I know what happens. Whereas for some yeah. people who haven't read the books, they they must be like, "What is actually going on here?" Yeah, aye, and it's it's nice as well. There'll be certain little references sometimes and things like that where you'll you'll pick up on it that maybe the average viewer wouldn't as well, mm-hmm. like yeah. maybe an Easter egg or something like that. But yeah, cool. Well, I'm excited to get started then, and it's. Seismic cinema, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Policy. No idea. The, 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 vis- the visitor <laughs> goes first. Right, awesome. So we're going cool. to rank from eight to one. Mm-hmm. What What's the best thing to do? Because it, it could be really easy to just start shouting people down. See if we just say what mm. our choice is and then just yeah. get into it. That's probably the best way to do it. Uh-huh. That's all. That's all. Be interesting, especially when we said when Paul said what his top ranking ranked movie was. So mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe if uh, he was on tonight, there could have been there could have been a scrap because uh, number eight I have the Chamber of Secrets. Okay, my eighth, and it's by quite a distance, is mm-hmm. the Half Blood Prince. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I I don't. Uh, blame you for that because um, I definitely know it's not everybody's favourite but um, aye, that's interesting we'll, we'll, you'll see where I've placed that myself Do you want to start then? Just Chamber of Secrets, why have you put it in position? Sure, so for me I mean, I'll start off with the things that are good, so as usual with the Harry Potter movies the CGI, especially for this time, was brilliant Dobby looks really good um, Dobby, however annoys the living hell out of me <laughs> I just I don't know what it is if it's his voice or whatever I just find him really annoying in this do movie my, anyway do you remember my Dobby impression? Uh, yes I remember all your impressions <laughs> <laughs> maybe do it later on <laughs> um, but yeah so Dobby not my favourite character um, found him really really jarring but like I said he looks really good in the CGI another good thing is compared to the first movie the acting of the child actors improves immensely. Um, the, there's quite good humour with characters like uh, Gilderoy Lockhart and stuff like that, and the yeah. ending fight is class. Like, if you have a big monster and getting beaten by a sword in a fantasy movie, like, I'm sold. Um, but I just feel like the plot of this movie is absolutely insane. Um, the like For one thing that comes to my head straight away is the plan to go and see Aragog, the evil massive spider... <laughs> They're like, oh, they say that he's uh, a monster. Let's go and ask him if he's really evil. <laughs> and then, then they go, so Aragog, uh, are you an evil monster? No, I'm not. But um, 
by the way, my kids are going to eat you now. Um, so I didn't do that, but you're going to die. So I thought that was really silly. Um, also, the fact that all the children can see that Gilderoy Lockhart is a diddy and Dumbledore, the most powerful wizard of the time, very wise, can't, I thought was weird. Um, yeah, I but I mean, he's a great I've character. I've actually got a wee bit of insight on that thing you just said. Ah, right, on a- you go. A- apparently Dumbledore appointed Lockhart to show Harry the downfalls of letting fame go to your head. Oh, don't, I don't that, know how true. I don't know how true that is, but if it is mm-hmm. true, it's quite interesting. I mean, that is what's quite good about these like expanded universes. There normally is if there's anything that somebody points out and says that's silly. There's always normally some yeah. sort of great explanation they have for it. But just in general, I thought that was pretty weird. And then also, what uh, went through J.K. Rowling's head with this, with this one, I thought was um, the way she goes. You know what? Harry Potter one was great. How can we make it better? I know wizard racism. And she brings in uh, like the mud blood <laughs> stuff and all that. Um, I, I thought that really I'm, added to the story, because like, it does. Kinda, yeah. it does span the kind of whole series, I suppose. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I think it is a, a good uh, tool for world building. Um, I just thought the fact that they managed to teach a snake to be racist was kind of interesting, <laughs> um, yeah. and also as well the fact that it managed to slither through the pipes. I was like, how big are wizard hooks? <laughs> <laughs> that snakes can fit through these pipes. How does it come out of the toilet bowl? Um, also, it's ginormous. How do they not see it? Like, but that's just my like really nitpicky brain. But um, and also the other thing as well is the plan that uh, Voldemort had for the Horcrux. He seemed a bit careless with this Horcrux compared to the others. Like, mm. um, I'll just give it to Lucius, and you know he can decide <laughs> what to do with it. And then yeah. twelve years later, he decides to give it to Jenny Weasley, who is like comes from probably the most prolific Gryffindor family of all. I was like, why not give it to some sort of Slytherin kid who will maybe be on board with being possessed by Voldemort? But um, I don't know. But yeah, it's just, that's that's my main gripes with it because the Harry Potter is one of the series where I do think it's one of the more solid series in terms of like, I enjoy every movie. There's some series that I maybe love more, but have some movies in it that really like disappointed me. Whereas I have fun with every Harry Potter movie, so just a bit of a messy plot that kind of lets it down a little bit for me if you're going to start ranking it. But um, other than that, it's it's still a fun movie for me. Cool. Um, I would say I enjoy the majority of the Harry Potter films. I don't mm. really enjoy my number eight. Wow, the, okay. It, it's, got, it's got decent bits of humour and the character relationships, like Ron got out the lavender's quite entertaining etc i just one of the big criticisms criticisms of this film is the the literal dark tone and that you can't really see what's happening a lot of the time yeah i do get that and not to be the the, the book guy but they took so much good stuff out of it like there's meant to be like a big battle mm-hmm. in hogwarts between like the death eaters yeah. and like the Order the Phoenix and Dumbledore's army. They take that out and they basically just have Bellatrix run through the Great Hall, smashing things. Yeah. So uh-huh. they take all that out and they also take out a few of all. I know the, I know you don't want a full movie of Voldemort's memories, but they take out like one of the most important ones. It's like his mm-hmm. grandpa's house, and it's where the yeah. one of the Horcrux originates from. Yeah. I just. Oh, and they also added in that stupid scene where they set the burrow on fire. Yeah. Just for the sake of it, and there's the shoelace scene as well. So yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Half Blood Prince. 
Yeah. No, I can definitely see why people don't like Half-Blood Prince. There's also like a really silly plot element in that as well. Um, I'll maybe come into that later on, but um, when it, you know when I explain it. But um, I the the Half-Blood Prince for me is one of the movies where I have just a personal liking for it, but I can understand why people don't like it for those reasons. But yeah, the the thing with Dumbledore's um, uh, death and the Battle of Hogwarts, like, being totally played down from compared to the books. That was really disappointing for me when I watched it. Um, so, and, I, I totally no understand people's fun. types of that stuff. No Dumbledore funeral either. Yeah, I know. Just, I don't know, everyone kind of stood outside and cried for a bit. Yeah. And then that was it. But, yep. um, it was a, a little bit tonally dissonant at times as well. Like, there was times where it was a really dark movie, and then other times where it was really silly. Mm-hmm. But, um... I I just I do think there's just a lot of oh, we'll come on to that when it comes to yeah. my time to, to rank it. Cool, right, we'll get on to number seven now, which is the, the most mm-hmm. magically powerful number and J.K. Rowling's <laughs> favourite number in the series with the seven Weasley yeah. siblings and the seven players on the Quidditch team. So and seven Horcruxes, I believe. Yep, well, that's debatable. Oh yeah, I suppose I... Spoilers. Let's not get into that. That's a potential Spoilers. tangent. Right. <laughs> right, number sorry. seven. What was your number seven? Uh, so number seven for me was Goblet of Fire. Okay. Number seven for me. Definitely Hallows Part Two. Oh wow! Okay. Very interesting. I've got, I've got, I've got reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not as big of a fan of the latter films i'll be honest compared to the mm. earlier ones but anyway yeah so what's your choices then for or reasons sorry for choosing goblet of fire so similar to your things about half-blood prince leaving things out i think this movie has a lot of wasted potential um for example the i think they could have shown more of the Triwizard Tournament, um, like for example not seeing any of the other contestants attempts to get the egg from the dragon in the first yeah. challenge, like I think that could have been cool um, not showing any of the Quidditch World Cup game at all, because I remember uh, going to that, yeah. like oh that would be really cool to see that um, and that wasn't in it at all um, I think another thing as well and I'm not sure if this was done in the books but I think the story of Cedric um, dying could have been a lot more compelling um, like see how Ron and Harry's relationship becomes really strained yeah. Um, I think if you got him and Harry, or sorry, Cedric and Harry, a lot closer during that time, it could have really made Cedric's death a lot more impactful. Um, so I, I just thought that was a little bit disappointing. And then also, um, I feel like Mad Eye Moody's characterization is totally wasted. You get a lot of good characterization built up from him um, through, you know, like the whole thing where he's he's kind of like a firm but fair teacher. Yeah. Um, and then because you find out that's not even Mad Eye Moody, it's like, well, I don't even know this guy anymore. Like, yeah. so it kind of ruins, um, you know, the impact from him as well. Um, I thought I watched a video. Um, I think I mentioned this previously. A guy called Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Um, okay. he uh, suggested that maybe J.K. Rowling likes to like kind of bring in new antagonists all the time, and I think it would have been more effective if you try and keep you know, maybe a few more people more regular in it. Like, see, for example, if you made, like, Peter Pettigrew or somebody the antagonist in this movie, it could have been better for him to kind of build yeah. him up a little bit more, um, just to keep throwing in random villains. I think it all stems back to the fact 
that Voldemort put a curse on the defence against the Dark Arts job, so by design there was going yeah. to be a different teacher every year. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, I just feel like, like say for example, somebody like Bellatrix Lestrange is popular and a much more effective mm. sort of henchman to Voldemort because she is, you know, more present. And same with Lucius. Yeah. Like I feel like you maybe could have done something like that, but um, still, still again, like I said, um, there's all these movies are entertaining. Like mm. uh, I love the scene in the graveyard when Voldemort comes back. I remember like absolutely loving that scene when I first went to see it. Um, great performance from Daniel Radcliffe in that scene as well Um, and I mean a cool tournament and a fantasy thing again you can't really go wrong with that so um, it has a lot of good moments in it just again just feel like so much wasted potential with that movie for me that's why it's more of a personal preference as to why it's lower on the list I would say some of the memes are brilliant about Goblet of Fire, just like the audience mm-hmm. w- watching the tasks and they're just staring at the top of the water for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> staring at the hedge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It kind of reminds me of like what I imagine watching Formula One be- would be like. Imagine just sitting at one area of the track for ages and you're just waiting for the car to come past. Like, come on. And then you go, film, and you're like, yes. And then you're like, right, okay, I've got to wait for them to come back around again. Kind of reminds I me of that. <laughs> just moved the the stands like above the, the hedge or like made the water translucent so that you can see through it. I don't know. There's truly a way around that. Yeah. I know. They seem like they're very gifted at magic, but maybe not the best like logical <laughs> thinkers at times. Yeah. <laughs> right, Deathly Hallows part two. I think both Deathly Hallows bits suffer a wee bit from the fact they split it into two films. I'm not a fan of how they portrayed the Battle of Hogwarts how I'd built it up in my head from reading the books, I thought it was quite disappointing, they also basically killed mm. Fred Weasley off screen, you see like a very brief mm. him falling back but that's such a big bit in the book because Percy comes back yeah. into the fray they they make up and then he dies two seconds later, it's absolutely heartbreaking but it's just really underplayed yeah. in the film and also the end bit in the book obviously Harry and Voldemort have this big battle in the the Great Hall mm-hmm. and everyone's watching and they're doing the big speech but in this one basically it's Harry and Voldemort in an empty courtyard and he like crumbles into like dust yeah and also the bit where Harry and Voldemort hug each other and jump off the building that's just stupid so yeah, yeah. I, I've got, I've got my issues I don't, I don't think it was a great conclusion to a great movie series personally mm-hmm um, I, I I I never thought about the Percy and Fred thing, um, and especially considering they they drawn the movie out, uh, you know, drawn the the book out into two movies, because I actually personally felt like they did that a little bit better compared to some other series that have done that. Like for example, uh, like I said, I think I said before, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. They did with the Hobbit, which is a little book. They stretched that out into three movies, three movies and, yeah. and added in loads of extra stuff that they really didn't need to add. Um, so I thought that that was actually an example of a better movie that done that. So, but like, say for example, that thing you said about Percy and Fred, like with the amount of time that they had, because they yeah. stretched it into two movies, like they easily could have done that, and it could well, have been Percy, really compelling. So Percy's in the film, and they show Fred, yeah, falling back. They just didn't make it, and like Lupin and Tonks as well. That you just see them, mm-hmm. two big characters, particularly Lupin. You just see them lying on the ground. You don't actually see, yeah. You, to be fair, you don't actually see their depth in the book either. But yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I don't know. I think it, I just to me it was disappointing. That's just yeah, yeah. My take. 
Aye, that's that's the thing. Sometimes the movie isn't necessarily not entertaining. It's just not what you expected it from yeah. based on the books. That's the problem with being a fan of the books and the movies. But yeah. um, no, it's, it might change my perspective a little bit for future. Yeah. So Half Blood Prince and Death Flowers Part Two, they were the two. I found them quite easily to place near the bottom. Uh huh. What's your sixth position then? So my sixth um, is Philosopher's Stone. Okay. Um, so I, I can, I can again similar to you. Like all these movies now, I'm, you know, we're all pretty solid. It's kind of there's not much between them. Um, the only reason why I would place this lower than the rest is probably just because I don't come back to it as much. Just mm-hmm. because I think I find it a little bit jarring now that I'm older. It is quite a childish movie still, um, yeah. but I do think that they nailed the tone perfectly, especially for where I was at the time in my life, like growing up with the movies, like. It was like it felt like the age, or like how it would feel if you were that age going into that world, like so magical yeah. and mystical. Felt real, doesn't it? Like this could actually happen. Yeah. Uh huh. And also, what I really like as well is they they were really smart with what they done with Harry. Well, J.K. Rowling was like obviously um, having him put into a situation where he's like really down on his luck and treated horribly by his adoptive family. Like you're automatically connecting with Harry straight away there. And then the fact yeah. that he's new to this world, like you're seeing the uh, world through his eyes as well. So you're kind of, he's kind of displaying the emotion that you're expecting to feel when you see Diagon Alley opening up, for example. Um, and also because he doesn't know anything about the world, he's naturally going to be asking loads of questions. So yeah. when they're doing exposition, you're, it doesn't feel laborious. Like it feels yeah. natural because he doesn't uh, know anything. So I think that's, that's really smart. That's definitely true. Um, yeah. um, also, like, I want to give a shout out to Alan Rickman in this particular movie, just because I think his portrayal of Snape is potentially my favourite portrayal of anyone. I think he's just incredible, um, and I, I think like just the scene in the when he's first in his class, yeah. and he's like uh, Harry Potter, our <laughs> new celebrity, and he's like very bad, like, very bad, like with his cloak, isn't he? Yeah, aye, he is. He's the way he wraps um, around himself. Yeah, aye, he is kind of like a, a bit like Batman. Um, but aye, he's so uh, so good in that role. And also, the plot is very simple. It is just a nice kind of like mystery. Kind of, It's not a murder mystery, but you know, it's kind of mystery. We've got to kind of mm-hmm. sort of find out what's going on. Um, and, you know, it's got a nice simple twist. Um, and that's what I like about it because I do feel like my biggest criticism of J.K. Rowling is I think sometimes, like say for example with Chamber of Secrets there, like she tries to make things, well maybe not Chamber of Secrets but in future ones, she tries to make things so unnecessarily complicated. It's like she thinks, oh if I make the story really complex, it's a better story, Mm -hmm. whereas I don't think she needs to do that. I think she's incredible at the world that she's created. She's built an incredible world. Um, But I do think sometimes her plots are a bit wild. Um, but I think that she, she either nails it or it's mental, um, and I think in this movie she nailed it. The only thing, like I, I said um, when I was referencing Chamber of Secrets, is the the acting from the three child actors, which, again, when you're going to get 12-year-old actors, especially ones that haven't got training or anything, they're not going to be amazing, um, and that is really noticeable, especially when they've not got adult actors to bounce off of. Like, yeah. You can just tell that they're kind of getting direction and... Like, aye, it's just not uh, not the best acting. But like I said, it's, you can't really um, dog on them too much for that. And then also the CGI was excellent um, for the time. 
see if you compare it to movies that were coming out around that time, like Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire one. If you look at the CGI in that compared to this, it's amazing how much better these movies are. So, yeah, aye, it's a great, great movie. Just because I don't come back to it as often as others, that's why I placed it so low on the list. Yeah, it's a bit like when you I start a reread of the series. I start doing Philosopher's Stone, but you do get not bored, but because it is mm. so much set up, it is a bit harder to get through at times. Something you mentioned about yeah. the actors was quite interesting. One, how cool would it have been to have been like 11 years old and then told you are going to play Harry Potter? That'd be amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, but also, um, I, I don't know if you watched the New Year special on Sky. Yeah, I, I did. Obviously, he talks, Daniel Radcliffe talks a lot about how Gary Oldman played a huge part in his development as an actor, so that's something that's... Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, they've helped him develop as time went on. Yeah, I uh, it's really it's really cool how not only they kind of watch them grow up, but you also watch them grow as actors. Mm-hmm. Especially Daniel Radcliffe, I think he went from being probably the worst to the best. Also, something mm-hmm. that I noticed as well because I, I rewatched the Philosopher's Stone this morning because um, I planned to do a movie marathon because I'm uh, I'm injured at the moment from from work, so I kind of laying in bed mm-hmm. and uh, see the guy that plays Dudley. He was probably yeah. the best child actor in that movie. He was really, <laughs> really good. Like he kind of uh, the, the rest of them. Well. Yeah, I know. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought he did a really, really good job as a child actor, and the yeah. and the other guys kind of, like I said, they didn't struggle, but they were noticeably like needed a bit of work. But yeah, you can see, especially Daniel Radcliffe, who's probably the worst of the three mm. in this movie, acting, go yeah. from like to, to become a really, really good actor. Uh, it's nice to see. Seems like a nice. Nice mm-hmm. young man as well. Yeah. But my, my fifth or six. What were we on? Six. Uh, six number six. Seven, yeah. Six, mm-hmm. I went for Deathly Hallows Part One. And it's ah. not that I dislike it. I actually really enjoy mm-hmm. it. And I think all the, you know, the mm-hmm. bit, the, the, the kind of animation of the, the Tale of the Three Brothers. Yeah. And, yeah, and the stuff at Malfoy's Manor. Dobby's death has done really well. I really enjoyed the film. I just feel like it, it suffers because it just ends. It's not It's mm. not the movie's fault, but it ends midway through the book. So it yeah. doesn't have that kind of completion and that kind of that feeling you get when you finish a story. Yeah. But I did enjoy it. Yeah, that's understandable. There was a yeah. wee bit too much running about the forest that got a wee bit repetitive, but that was the same in the book as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh. Uh, that could be again come down to maybe dragging it out a little bit, but I, yeah. uh, I, I, I really like that movie as well. Obviously, I'll come into my thoughts on it later, but I, yeah. I, I thought that was uh, again a, a kind of personal preference for me. I just really liked. There was a lot of good character moments. I thought in that movie. Yeah. So mm. fifth position, I think we maybe missed it. Just the last one there, but just we'll we'll mm-hmm. share our our fifths at the same time. What was your fifth cool. position? Uh, fifth for me was actually the one you were just talking about, so that works out quite well. Definitely Hallows Part yeah. One. Um, what about you? This is one of the probably the start of a few that were quite difficult to place. I went for Goblet mm-hmm. of Fire in fifth position. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, do you want to talk about Definitely Hallows Part One, and then I'll I can mention. My yeah, I, that might be quite a, a cohesive way to do it since you were just talking about it. Yeah. Um, so. I'd, I'd, what I think is really good about this movie is like you really feel like they are in the middle of a wizarding war in this one. Yeah. 
because um, the, the tone is really quite dark. Um, one thing that I thought was quite silly is, like, they obviously, and I think it was Half-Blood Prince who said that the Burrow got attacked, uh-huh. and then the next movie, they're like, oh my God, we're in a war. We'll just have this really public wedding right outside the place that just got attacked yeah. in the last movie. Like, <laughs> it was quite silly. Um, but the, yeah, I, I do think they nailed the tone apart from that. Um, and I think I actually said, like I said, I actually thought this was a good example of splitting a, a movie or sorry, a book into two movies. Um, just because I thought the fact that it was drawn out, it really helped to develop the, the plot and there's good character moments. Um, I really like the scene with Harry and Hermione awkwardly dancing when Ron leaves for a bit. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's some really great action sequences. Dobby's death hits really hard, like you said. Um, and I like because that's done so well, I actually don't mind him in this movie. Um, and one one criticism I would have of this movie is Peter Pettigrew, again, is quite an important character in, in the books and in Harry Potter in general. And the way he's kind of written out the story, the last time you see him, he just gets knocked in the back of the head and that's it. Um, whereas in the books, they've got quite a cool death scene for him where I think that hand that Voldemort uh, made for him, like, chokes him. Yeah, because um, he was like, going to I thought him. that was... Was it yeah, not because I he showed... That's... Was it not because he showed Harry Mercy? Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Um, I, I just exactly. remember when I was doing my, my research today that um, that was the case. Um, but I, I I thought that was really disappointing, the way that he just kind of yeah. disappears. But um, I it was really, really, um, really fun. Like, a lot of good character moments, like I said, and there's some good action sequences as well. But I think it's um, an underrated movie. Aye, 100%. And I can understand why people would overlook it because Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the big finale. So I think everyone was kind of like a bit like, I just really want to see this see this play out. But aye, I, I really enjoyed that movie as well. A lot of cool character stuff, like I said. Just before I go to Goblet of Fire, there's one bit from that film that's just came back to my mind and this obviously happens when you're discussing it. I really liked when they went mm. undercover as the Ministry employees and you see Umbridge again. Yeah, that's right. I actually had that written down. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Um, and was that was that? Did they have the break into Gringotts in that movie as well, or was that? Uh, that's was the that start of the second two? one. Ah, that's right. Okay. But I do. Two, I do two, like two that fun facts well. about that ministry scene. One, mm-hmm. uh, you know the character, the employee that Hermione replaces with Polyjuice. Hmm. She's the ministry employee that sends Harry the Howler and Order the Phoenix, Mafalda Hopkirk. Oh, yeah. And awesome. the other thing is the guy that Ron replaces is the actor mm. that's Dave Coaches and Gavin and Stacey. I don't know if you've seen Gavin and Stacey, Aye. but that's uh, Dave Coaches. Yeah, I love Gavin and Stacey, yeah. Aye. Did you, did you know that, that was him, yeah? Oi, Dave. Yeah, I knew that was him, yeah. Yeah, I Aye. thought that was getting I quite like the scene as well signed. when Ron, I think, is kissing the real Mathalda Hopkirk <laughs> and then he changes back into himself. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember he says something. No, it wasn't, Ma- wasn't Mathalda Hopkirk. It was a couple. Remember, it was a woman that was in the in the court who was getting prosecuted uh-huh. for being a muggle barn. Yeah, I, that's I, right. I don't, I, I don't think it was uh, the Mathalda character. Uh-huh. I think she just looks quite similar to the yeah. actress that played her because yeah. I think I can see Mathilda Hopkirk in my mind now. But I know I yeah. thought that was quite a funny moment in that that film as well. So Goblet of Fire, I wouldn't. We also spoke about it. We spent too long on it. Basically, just yeah. I actually love it as a film. 
I'm weird. No, I'm not weird, mm. but I am weird. But I like films where you can sit and it's raining outside. I think Goblet of Fire is a great film to watch when it's raining because you've got the, yeah. the horrible weather throughout. You've got Mad Eye appearing when it's thunder and lightning and all that kind of stuff. I yeah. like I Brendan Gleeson's performance, if I'm being honest. I liked, uh-huh. I liked a lot of the film. I just think it does, as you said, take away so much from the book. Like Barty Crouch Sr.'s story, Barty Crouch Jr.'s story. Uh, Winky, the house elf's not in it at all, and also Ludo, yeah. Ludo Bagman, who's another good character from the books, he's also not in it at all. So they they, yeah. they took so much out of it. I think there was rumours they were going to make that two films at one point. I think that uh-huh. could have been good, but I don't think that would have made sense yeah. for the fourth film in a series. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, that would have been strange. Yeah, but um, nice. Right, so four, three now, four. four. Oh, four, so we are, right, aye, that's yeah. right. So, um, my number four uh, was The Half-Blood Prince, actually. Um, okay. So, this um, is, like I said, I can totally understand people's gripes of this movie. I just think that it has a lot of good character moments in it for me, um, and I just really enjoy it, despite its shortcomings in terms of compared to the book. Um, the, there was one really silly plot moment, uh, plot point in this movie, um, which is Dumbledore's plan to get Horace Slughorn to divulge information about the Horcruxes is really, really flimsy because it's all based on Harry being good at potions, yeah. which Harry's never been the best student anyway, and potions uh, is like his worst subject. So, like, by the biggest stroke of luck imaginable, he manages to fight and beat Ron to this special uh, potions book that is Snape's potions book that um, grants him to be amazing at it. So, I mean, it's still fun. I just thought that was really, really silly. But um, apart from that, uh, I really love uh, Jim Broadbent as Horace Slughorn. I think he's a great actor. Um, I also love, uh, like you said, Ron with... Um, oh, what's the character's name again, the relationship they have? Uh, Lavender Brown. Lavender Brown, yeah, I think that's quite funny. And I also like the moment as well when he's like knocked out and then Hermione comes and yeah. uh, he says Hermione's name instead of, instead of Lavender. Like, I quite like that moment. Um, I like the scenes with uh, Ron with Quidditch as well, when he mm. thinks he's taking the liquid luck and he does amazing in the trial and then it turns out it was just him playing himself. I, I really That's like quite that. a good message um, for real life, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and how strong placebo is, because um, it is a really, really strong thing. Um, the moment, I think this is the movie where Dumbledore and Harry go to get the locket, isn't it? And it turns out to be yeah. a fake one. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an amazing scene. Um, there was good character development for Draco, who I think actually really gets neglected throughout all these movies. Oh, um, Tom and Tom also, legend. Yeah. Um, also, it creates good doubt about Snape, obviously, um, for like future twists regarding him. Um, and also the... Uh, there was one other scene that I, I see as well the uh, scenes with him when they're doing the Occlumency and mm-hmm. Harry comes back and sees in Snape's mind and it shows how nasty um, serious that, and especially that was Order of the Phoenix by the... was that, oh was that Order of the Phoenix oh yeah. man right okay um, I seem to remember that as being this movie but um, regardless anyway that moment I thought was really cool because it kind of shows Harry that his dad was not perfect um, but uh, aye, so uh, did I mention the scene with Harry, Hagrid and Clunghorn as well when Harry does take the liquid luck? Yeah, 
I really yeah, like the, those bits as well. Spider. Yeah, I, I really like that funeral. part of the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought that was a fun fun bit. So that, it was just like a lot of fun character moments that I personally really liked, but I can totally understand people's gripes with it. Talking about changing perceptions, you actually made me think of a lot of things that were good about it. But I think just the the burrow fire taking away the big fight scene. Mm-hmm. We won't go into it in massive detail, but Jenny and Harry's relationship in the films was very poor. It was a very strong yeah. part of the Half Blood Prince book. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. I think in general, all the romantic connections were not done well in the movies. Um, like even Ron and Hermione's, I don't think. Like when I watch the movies, I actually see Hermione and Harry as a better couple than Harry and, and yeah. Ron and Hermione. I think that's um, quite a common it, common take. Yeah, so I it's it's a bit of a uh, letdown because I think I mentioned that about Order of the Phoenix, but we'll come on to that. Um, yeah. Kind of similar things, but yeah. So, so my fourth was Philosopher's Stone, and awesome. Just it's the entry point. It's just the wonder. It's just that feeling. Mm-hmm. I think even now, if we were given at whatever age we're at, if you were given the opportunity mm-hmm. to go to Hogwarts tomorrow, you would. Yeah, um, 100%. I just I loved the feel of the older films more. I loved. Yeah. The, I thought they were just nice and cozy. They were like kind of Christmas films you could watch. I just mm-hmm. I, it was they were brighter, like just mm-hmm. visually. And I just, I don't know, it's just like a, it's just like a warm, cosy blanket, Philosopher's Stone. It's just yeah. one of those films I don't think you could ever, I think that'll be watched forever. As Hagrid says, as Robbie Coltrane says, he'll be dead in however many years, but Hagrid will live for it. It's one of those things that'll just keep going on and on. Yeah. I, it's a um, timeless, timeless classic. And it's like, it's emotional just... thinking about it. Yeah, it's, and the tone is just perfect in the first two movies. In fact, the first three movies, I would say, the tone. In fact, in general, I think Harry Potter is really good with tone when you think about it. I mean, I mean, I know you don't really like the darker tone of the later movies, but I do think the later movies do require a bit of a darker tone. And I, yeah, I, I think, think they maybe went a bit Harry too... Potter, the first. I feel they maybe went a bit too far in that direction. It just, like, yeah. there wasn't a lot of... There wasn't, like... It wasn't that dark in the books. When you read the books, uh-huh. there was still a lot more like lighter-hearted things going on. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so we're into the last three now. What's your third last? So my third last is The Order of the Phoenix. Oh, our um, first tie. Oh, is it? Awesome. This is. I think this is a movie that's quite uh, commonly not that popular, surprisingly, but I love this movie. I think it's really good. Um, Definitely one of the best, obviously. Aye, it has. So this is good. We can kind of talk about this together. Um, and I think this podcast has dragged on a little bit because most of our placements are so different, which is good. <laughs> yeah. It's like we've when had we did, so much to we did the Boba Fett, When we did the Boba Fett one, we had a fair few ties, actually. So it may just depend on... Yeah, I think that one was quite an easy, <laughs> an easy series to place, to be fair, the way that it went. But... Yeah. Um, Aye, this one. Uh, so yeah, basically we'll go. I think it just has a lot of fun moments for me. Um, one thing that I really like is them coming out of Hogwarts because as much as Hogwarts is awesome, I do think that the Wizarding World in general is really great. And I don't know if they spend enough time outside of Hogwarts for me in these books. It was, it's nice to see more of the Wizarding World. So yeah. they spend a lot of time in different places in this movie. Um, the, there's probably the best 
character development for Harry, I would say, comes in this movie, with him becoming the Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher on Secret. Um, yeah. I love his speech. And is it, uh, I can't remember the name of the place. It's not the Three Broomsticks, isn't it? That's in London. Um, the, the place in Hogsmeade. The Hogshead. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so fair, it's fair Aberfor, it's where Dumbledore's brother is the barman. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, um, I, I just love that speech that he has where he's like, you know, um, out there it's not the same as, you know, when you're doing it in the classroom. Like, yeah, yeah. It, and all these things sound great when you say them, but it's, it's not. Yeah. And I really like that speech. Um, Sirius's death is done really well. Um, the only thing I can think of is obviously when we're talking about romance, Cho's romance I thought was really unconvincing. Like, I just didn't really feel chemistry with him much. Um, Neville, I think the whole thing that was built up with him and Bellatrix, I think they really should have had some sort of face-off in the movie at some point. Because yeah. um, Bellatrix was like Neville's Voldemort. Um, mm-hmm. And just to, to talk about well, Umbridge was such a, a good, well-done villain because they did the two things that really give you a compelling villain is they, they make you hate her. And, I mean, a lot of people say they hate Umbridge more than they hate Voldemort. Yeah. Um, and also, she, she just kind of seems invincible. And that makes it, you know, really compelling when you're watching a story and it's like, how the hell are we going to get rid of her? Like, she's so powerful in terms of just the influence she's got and the political power she's got. Yeah. I just thought that was that was really well done. And I just, the whole Ministry of Magic scene at the end, I just thought was so good. But, you know, mm. what about you? Yeah, I really like the scene in the Department of Mysteries with all the, the orbs. Voldemort and Dumbledore's duel was really cool because it wasn't it wasn't more magic. They were like playing with like fire and water and like all the elements, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like it was so creative compared to like the I'm gonna reference this guy again in the Cosmo Bright Hour when I was watching him, he says that it's basically you've got the bad guy green laser and the good guy red laser and they just kinda yeah. hit each other. Like with whereas with that one mm-hmm. there was no sound as well. Like it was just Yeah. It was so cool. It was very creative. I also think they nailed the humour in this film, and I think making Filch a bit more of a humorous character rather than like an antagonist was a good idea. I think him and Umbridge kind of played really well off each other, and the kind of sequences yeah. when they're putting up all the rules in the wall, I thought that was all really well done. Yeah. I, it's, it's, uh, it's just a really fun movie for me. Like I just have so much fun when I watch that. I kind of want to watch it now. That mentioned it. <laughs> uh, right, well, we got on to our second last one then. Uh, yes. So, good, the good thing is, because we are kind of starting to get a little bit stretched for time now, there's not a lot I can say about this one, really, because for me, now that you've mentioned the things that you've mentioned, it maybe yeah. dampens it for me a little bit, but um, definitely Hallows Part 2. I just think it's a good, epic conclusion. It's a really, it, it's like, it's more like, it's it's just it was really satisfying for me for the most part because I just had a lot of fun with it. Like I thought the the moment where Harry comes back to life is so epic, and I think what was done really well was the moment when he gets the resurrection stone and he gets to see his mum and dad and all that. And yeah. Talk to them before um, he goes to see Voldemort and the um, the scene in the train station when Harry's yeah. kind of sort of in the purgatory state. I love that yeah. scene. Um, and Dumbledore saying words are a most inexhaustible form of magic. I love that line. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, scene as well with the with Snape's memories. Um, I absolutely love that. Yeah. That's one of my favourite moments in all the Harry Potter movies. And when he, you know, he shows his Patronus and it's a doll the same as Lily. Mm-hmm. 
He says always, like, yeah. uh, gets me in the feels every single time. You're making um, me feel bad because all that stuff, it. all that stuff's amazing. Yeah, I don't know why, but just the things I didn't like stand out in my mind. But I guess this has been a good podcast for making us think of the things we do like and the films we yeah. like as much. Aye, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's we've both kind of had little moments where we're like, actually, you know what? I agree with you, which has been good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I was like, this this can go one of two ways where we like agree a lot, or uh, we can just like totally <laughs> fight each uh, other. But it's, uh, even though our placements nah. are so different, we've kind of I think it's because, like I said. It's like, say if it was Star Wars, for example, that's such a more contentious thing mm-hmm. where it's got more potential for that. But with Harry Potter, like I said, it's just so solid. Like, every, any of the movies, even the ones that I don't like as much, I can still enjoy. Yeah, but, um, no, we definitely yeah, need to no, do a Star, a Star Wars movie ranking at some point then. Aye, yeah, I think that would be good because <laughs> I've got a lot of hot takes when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> but right, um, Matt, there was one, okay. just one other little thing, sorry, is uh, the way that Dumble, uh, sorry, Voldemort dies in this one. Um, I think is done so much better in the book. Like the way he just kind of falls to the ground because yeah. he was so desperate to be immortal and different mm-hmm. from everyone else, and at the end he just dies like any man. I just thought that was so yeah, much better no. in, in the movie. But I definitely, I definitely agree. My number two, which by process of elimination is your number one, mm-hmm. Prisoner of Azkaban. Ah, nice. I of those ones that a lot of the people like i don't personally think the things they take out from the book ruin the film but i can understand people who uh, haven't read the books may not understand a lot of the marauders plot but i just yeah. just very quick what i love the i love the tone in this one i like the darkness in this one i think the dementors uh, are amazing yeah. i like the whole kind of although it's a controversial one i do like the the time travel and going back and saving Sirius. I think Emma oh. Thompson's amazing as Trelawney. Yeah. I, I like the whole mystery about who Sirius Black is and the kind of unravelling oh. of the story and the scene in the Shrieking, Shra- Shrieking Shack with uh, Snape mm-hmm. looping Sirius. I think that's, yeah. even though they miss out key information from the book, I think is amazing. Yeah. I, that, that scene is so, so good. Like, all three of them are just doing such a good job in that moment. Like that's one thing I highlighted as well was that scene. Mm. Um, I was about to start going on going on about uh, Prisoner of Azkaban there myself. Well, we just <laughs> we'll, we'll just yet. hang off. We'll just hang off on that one. We'll just kind of tie the last two together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So your first place is obviously Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. I didn't say anything at the start because I like it just to be totally. People get to share their opinions, and that's how we we do the rankings. My first place yeah. is your last place. Yeah, that's crazy. And there's a few things. I'm not saying it's like the best book or the best mm-hmm. film. I've just mm-hmm. always absolutely adored The Chamber of Secrets. And I think it comes down to just one thing. I mm. absolutely lo- love a murder mystery story. Yeah. And see just the mystery and the unraveling and the clues. And I think that's book slash film also brings in a lot of things you spoke about like the kind of the racism in the wizarding world it brings in amazing characters mm-hmm. like lucius malfoy who's one of my absolute favorites uh, yeah, Lockhart, he has a great does really well. young tom riddle you don't suspect him at all when you mm-hmm. first read it or watch it i would say i like that version yeah. of tom riddle he's probably my favorite version of tom riddle like when he's younger mm-hmm. and yeah. i just i love just the wee the wee details like ron 
the in the books they have to go and clean the trophy room and Ron throws the slugs up on the special award for services to the school that had Tom Riddle's name on it. There's mm. the Jenny looking really sad all the time and um like acting a bit like Dobby is how they described her and obviously that's just and they actually mentioned throughout the book that Jenny looks unwell or Jenny's not settling in well to school and there's there's just I love foreshadowing. I mentioned this in the Shining review we did. I just love foreshadowing yeah. and murder mystery. Like that that's yeah. That yeah. I, I I've always loved Chamber of Secrets. And I know quite a few people that awesome. do. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like I said, like all I enjoy all of these movies. I just like when, like, if, because I can just switch my brain off when I watch Harry Potter and just like, I this is great. But see, if you do start to dissect some plot points for that, just for me, yeah. I just feel like that one's the most insane. But a lot of the things that I was nitpicking at were pretty silly. Like, That's the book, um, though. That, that it wasn't the film that made a lot of those things up. It was the it was the plot yeah. in the book that just carried on forward. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But um, I, that's just personally for me, like if I had to like rank one the lowest, that was just for me. But yeah. like I said, I still enjoy all the Harry Potter movies, so uh, I can still just watch that and enjoy it. And like I said, I, I love the scene at the end in the Chamber of Secrets. It's such a cool, yeah. cool fight scene at the end. Did you want to add anything just about Prisoner of Azkaban before we tie up? Uh, yeah, I, I, I just love that movie. Um, it's like, see, when I was saying about J.K. Rowling, either nailing a plot or just totally making it way too complicated. I think in this one, she managed to make it complicated and make it brilliant. Like the time travel stuff is always, um, like you know, shaky territory, but it's probably the best I've seen it done in a movie. The closest probably was in Endgame. They've done it really well, but um, I love the way they do the time travel. Um, I think the tone shift is perfect. It's not too dark. But it's it's still got the kind of like childish wonder to it, but it's a bit darker. Um, again, the acting gets uh, better from the kids, and the adults are incredible. Um, the only one silly thing that gets brought up a lot um, is the plot hole surrounding the Marauders map and Peter Pettigrew. Like, how did Fred and George not notice <laughs> that Ron was sleeping next to a man called Peter Pettigrew every night? Um, yeah. That is that's just, that is uh, quite funny, a though, common one. Yeah, I know, but that's just one where you're like. Um, it's just a silly thing um, but yeah I, I just think for me that's like the perfect Harry Potter movie it's just it's got mm. everything it's like right I, like like how you said they kind of taper off a bit as they go on like I do have some of the later ones at the top for me but um, I feel like number three is just peak Harry Potter for me it's just right in the perfect sweet spot yeah well that is us ranked the Harry Potter movies and I think it shows obviously we didn't really set a time for this, but I think it shows how much we both loved the films that there was so much to discuss there. I think if we weren't yeah. if we weren't conscious of time, I think we probably could have done that for maybe three hours or something just discussing it. Yeah. So I... just before we do our usual shameless plugs and updates at the end, uh, Strachan has is, is also started up his own podcast and he just wanted mm-hmm. the opportunity just to, to tell some of our listeners about it. Yeah, so thank you, Colin, for giving me this opportunity, or I should say I'm grateful. Um, Gratitude's a big uh, theme of the podcast that I've started. We've not released it yet, although actually by the time this comes out, it will be out. Um, it's out on the 28th of February, the first episode. Um, but basically the podcast just revolves around my journey with dyspraxia um, and my journey through depression and anxiety and uh, you know trying my best to live a happy life. Um, you can find us at Strachan's Podcast on Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and um, if there's any other ones, I'm probably on there too. Um, <laughs> and finally as well, uh, I'm doing a weight loss journey on TikTok um, on my own personal account. It's under Strack Talk. If you want to follow me on there too, you can. Um, but yeah, that, that's it basically. Um, have a look for us on the internet and uh, if you like it, stick around. I'd love that. And he's not he's not paying us to, to plug that on here. Um, so it's a shame nope. that uh, Paul <laughs> couldn't join us next, uh, this week. Hopefully in the future he'll be able to get his flu network correct and, and join <laughs> us. So just to finish off, just to say that this was a Seismic Cinema podcast, the first of a, a lot of ranking videos that we're going to do. You'll find us on Facebook. We've now got 250 followers because I worked out how to share it with people. We're on Twitter. <laughs> we're approaching 200 followers. We're on Instagram. We are on, it's quite hard to remember once you get into it. Uh, we have a YouTube account where we've been posting our podcast. And you'll also find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pod- Podcasts, Good Pods. And I've probably missed one, but that'll just about cover it. The... Next week, we obviously just did a review of The Shining uh, previously, which you should check out. We're going to look at Doctor Sleep, which I've not seen. We're going to review that, and it's Paul's turn to pick what we're going to be ranking next week, so I can only dread to think what, what that's going to be. But just to finish off, Strachan, did you enjoy your your debut on Seismic Cinema? Is it something you would be interested in doing again? Uh, I definitely would be interested in doing that again. Um, I had a great time. Um, I'm a massive nerd myself, so I just love nerding out for a bit. Um, and it was nice to catch up with you properly as well, because with everything that's been going on in the world, I've not really had a chance to talk to you or Paul at length in mm. a long time. So I was sad yeah. that uh, Paul didn't make it. Um, also, as well, just very quickly, I am on YouTube as well at Strachan's Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've, you've, had, you've had your moment there. Um, nah, it's true. <laughs> uh, I've not seen you since you disappeared on your birthday, but it does. I think it has brought me, you, and Paul, and the three of us kind of together, uh, and that's another mm-hmm. big bonus of this. So, just Aye. before we sign off, we question for you, Strachan. We like to mm. get our our visitors to remind us what our slogan is here at Seismic Cinema, and just to share it with the listeners. Yes. Well, the slogan for you guys is the power of escapism, or Maybe better fitted for this episode, the magic of escapism. Oh, I like that. Harry Potter's magic. And <laughs> just, just as a, obviously a, a friend and now a, a kind of guest on the channel, what's your view on the escapism and how that impacts people's lives? Obviously, come from the mental health point of view. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, what one big theme for me on my podcast is I've found that one of the best things for mental health is to do things, get stuck into things, get involved with things. Um, for me, nerdy stuff, video games, TV, music, movies, everything, like that's how I get a lot of my enjoyment. So um, yeah, I think it's we, we would be lost without it as well. Um, so we've had, we've had a lot of great escapism tonight. There was a great result in the football tonight for yep. uh, us Rangers fans, uh, <laughs> and had lots of fun doing this podcast as well. So I totally love the themes I've got going on. Cool, and you two, we're looking forward to hearing your first video on Monday. So that was Seismic Cinema. We'll be back with you next week. Cheers for having me.